I think God wants us to know him more because he wants us to live our lives to the fullest. And when we know him more, we know more about him, his, the Bible, his teachings, what he was about. And in such, I think we'll gain to appreciate God and his love for us. And hopefully that will show in our daily lives and maybe other people will want to know about what makes us so happy or what makes us tick. In Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And I find that God wants all of our heart because he wants us to find him. And when we find him, we find joys in life and just the happiness. And with that, it's just fulfillment. And we can learn to appreciate God and all that he gives us. Well, good morning. Let me welcome you to Crossroads. We're excited that you're here. We're also excited to have those, it looks like, with no problems joining us on Facebook Live. We've had a couple of issues lately, uh, and let me tell you so you understand what the issues are, especially if you're watching on Facebook Live. Uh, one of the things that's really interesting is that if Facebook picks up our pre-service music, uh, even though we have a license for copyrighted music, they will shut us down until they check everything and a lot of times it just kicks everybody off so we've tried to make some adjustments where we don't start until a little bit later into the service so if you watch us online that you catch the service but you don't get the pre-service stuff because it causes us problems so anyway that's the reason why we had problems the last couple of weeks but I was looking at it just before I came up and it looks like everybody is online so let's just cross her fingers and hope that it continues to work. You know, uh, is anybody like me, you love technology and you hate technology? It's just got this double-edged sword. So let me welcome those who are joining us on Facebook Live. Let me welcome you. So good to see so many of you coming back, so many of you back at Crossroads. Uh, again, it's exciting to be able to see and just sense what God uh, wants to do in and through our church, and God knows that it, that's not going to be possible uh, unless you're here. So again, we welcome you. Where today we are in week seven of a series that we call Follow the Yellow Brick Road. And really, the thing that's interesting about this series is this series was actually birthed uh, in, in, in late last year when we were trying to think, uh, it was just trying to think, what could we do to help people? Uh, what could we do as we start a new year to help people no matter where they find themselves? And again, we just started thinking and we started looking and we started wondering uh, what was something that would help us as we go through life. And knowing that we're going through life at different stages and different seasons of life, some of us are going through good things, some of us are going through terrible things, but what is the one thing that we could talk about or teach about from a biblical perspective that would help all of us no matter where we were. And we started on this search, and the search actually led us to the word wisdom. Uh, because again, wisdom is one of those things that you can take and you can apply. It doesn't matter what the situation is in your life. Wisdom is just simply something that we all can use. And I think many of us as a result of this series, we kind of have a new concept, uh, a new idea of what wisdom really is, because most of us came into this series, and again, this is week seven. We've been talking about wisdom for six weeks. Uh, we came into this series with this idea of, you know, we kind of think we know what wisdom is, 
but we probably discovered early on that wisdom really isn't exactly what we thought it was. Uh, our, our, wisdom, our view of wisdom because of this series is actually different now. We, we've, we've come to realize that, that wisdom isn't about income. That wisdom isn't about our IQ, it's not about our education, it's not about our bank account. Wisdom isn't anything like that. Again, here's what we have said wisdom is from the very beginning. We've said this, wisdom is living skillfully in the conditions in which you find yourself. And again, let me, let me address something. That's not just wisdom, that's biblical wisdom. Biblical wisdom is living skillfully in the conditions in which you find yourself. And see, here's the beauty of, and the flexibility of that definition. It, it, it can apply to the people who are going through the great things in life, and it can apply to the people who are going through terrible things in life. But wisdom is just taking what you know and applying something that you know. Wisdom is about knowledge. So here we are in week seven. We've kind of rounded the turn number four, and we're headed down towards the finish line. And today, uh, we're going to look at something. Well, let me just say this. The book of Proverbs talks about many topics, many topics in the book of Proverbs. But today's topic is not only mentioned, but this is a topic that is mentioned often throughout the book of Proverbs. And again, the topic that we're going to look at today is relationships. And again, it, it's always interesting because, you know, I, I typically kind of thrive off of getting a little feedback from you guys. The first service was dead quiet. I mean, there was nothing. When you talk about relationships, it's just one of those kind of things that that people just kind of like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So here's what we're going to do today. Not only are we going to look at relationships, but we're going to look at what Proverbs has to say about wisdom, about pursuing wisdom as it relates to our relationships. And again, if you're one of those people who actually took the time and you kind of dove in with us during the month of January and you took the 30-day, the 31-day challenge, uh, which was reading through the book of Proverbs, one chapter every day throughout the month, and you read the entire book of Proverbs. If you did the 31-day challenge, then you already know that the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about relationships. And again, I'm going to say this morning just off the cuff that if my memory serves me correctly, speaking of off the cuff, I'm just going to go ahead and say it because I know many of you are wondering is he in the FFA? No, I'm not, okay? So anyway, I may look like I'm in the FFA, but Future Farmers of America, I know it looks that way. I didn't mean to look that way, but I've already had two people say something to me about it, so I just want to go ahead and let that proverbial cat out of the bag, okay? So there's, there's no cattle judging today. There's nothing like that. So anyway, but anyway, off the cuff, let me just say this, since I have totally ruined the ambiance of the spiritualness of this message, there are 45 to 55 verses in the book of Proverbs that speak about relationships. And the verses that speak about relationship, they offer us a variety of wisdom when it comes to building, maintaining, and weathering the relationships that are going to be part of life. Again, this is one of the reasons why we urged you to read the book of Proverbs with us. Because we know that there's so much valuable wisdom in the book of Proverbs that each one of us can gain that wisdom that is found in the book of Proverbs and not just gain it, we can take it and use it and apply it to our life. It doesn't matter where we are. Now, now, now think about when you talk about life, when it comes to what defines our life, you've got to realize the thing that defines your life is not going to be your bank account. The thing that defines your life when your life is over or when your life is going is not your 401k, the value of your 401k. It's not going to be how smart you were in your business or successful you were. Your life is not going to be defined by the car that you drive. What is going to truly define your life 
what's going to make the biggest difference in our life and the quality of our life, whether we're going to be happy or not, is going to be simply, did we have good, quality, healthy relationships with other people? Did we have good, quality, healthy relationships with other people? The one thing that distinguishes happy people from people who are less happy, it ultimately comes down to one thing, and that's the quality of relationships that they have with other people. Now listen to me this morning and, and, and hear this. If you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. The difference between people who are visibly happy and people who are less happy is the existence of deep, rich, joy-producing, life-changing, meaningful relationships that they have with other people. Most of us know that most of us, I mean, most of us understand that much of our life comes down to our ability to navigate life, and during navigating that life, our ability to establish healthy, good relationships. And you start talking about relationships and the value of relationships, and, and people start wanting to know. They, they start wanting to justify, well, where, where, Randy, do you come up with this value of relationships and what relationships actually mean to our lives? And I think it's easy for most of us to see the value of relationships by looking in the book of Genesis, which is the very first book of the Bible, where, where God says in the garden, he said, it's not good to be alone. And why would God say it's not good to be alone? Let, 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 let me show you something on the screen behind me so that you understand. This is why God said it's not good for, be, for us to be alone. Because again, he knew that human beings were designed to be in relationship. I mean, the perfect example that I think shows the importance of relationship is the actual Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That in itself shows us that relationship is at the center of everything. So today what I want to do is I want to take just a little bit of our time together and share something that, that, that really is something that happened in my own life. And, and it's something that really was exposed again by a verse during the month of January that I ran across when I was participating in the 31-day challenge by reading the book of Proverbs. And it's a verse that's actually going to be found when we read it in a moment. We're not going to read it right now, but in Proverbs 18. And when I read it, it just, it rocked my world again. But I have to tell you, I, I'm going to give you some information about some things that had happened in my life. This was probably 10 years ago that had been happening in my own life. And the reason why I'm going to tell you the situations uh, that were happening to me 10 years ago is because I know a lot of the things that some of you are going through right now. And, and let me tell you, if I can help you avoid a path that I've already been down, then I think I have a responsibility in helping you avoid that path. And, and let me kind of give you the details of something. This was probably about uh, 10 years ago. But there was a time in my life where I allowed the, the weight uh, of all the things that I was carrying on a personal level to really add up. I mean, I started to let everything add up on me, and it weighed me so heavily that it started to really impact me in ways that that, that had never impacted me before. And, now, and when I talk about, you know, carrying a load, uh, the load that I'm carrying. I, I'm not just talking about the responsibilities that I have here at Crossroads. Uh, but uh, other than this, I have many other things that I have to do. And again, if you know anything about me at all, I mean, and one of the things that's even changed now since then is my mother had a brain tumor. She's now in assisted living. I mean, she was at the first service, but I have to carry on all of her 
you know, financial responsibilities, all of her duties, all of her medicine, all the things that she would normally have done herself, which she was kind of like me. She was a control freak, but now she can't do those things. So it, it was kind of like that. Everything just kept piling up on me and piling up on me and piling up on me. And I'm going to tell you, most of you know this, I'm a guy who's going to give 110% or I'm not going to do it. And, and, and here's the thing, looking back, no matter how hard I tried, it just seemed like the pressure of life just kept piling up on me. And it seemed no matter how hard I worked, no matter what I tried to do, there was just not enough time in the day for me to get everything I needed to do. I couldn't get it done. The pressure of all that I was carrying drove me to a time where I was just spending more and more of my time working and less of my time associating and interacting with the people that I would normally be around on a day-to-day -day basis. And here's what happened. It wasn't long before I found myself very comfortable being by myself. I was very, very comfortable simply being alone. And you know what I started to do? I started to avoid the thing that I love so much. And the thing that I love more than anything else is just being around people. It's my connection with other people. It wasn't that I didn't like being around people during that season. It was simply that I allowed the pressure of all of my circumstances to drive me to a point in my life where I just liked being by myself. And not interacting or connecting with the people who were closest to me. Basically, the, the Cliff Notes version is I just unplugged from the people who cared about me the most. I just totally unplugged from those people who cared about me the most. And I had gravitated to a place in my life where I was a loner. Who could best describe his life by living a life of isolation. And for the most part, listen to what I'm saying, I avoided relationships, the important relationships that had been at the center of my life. And then I came across a verse that is found in Proverbs. And this verse and the wisdom of this verse totally rocked my world. I want you to look at it this morning with me. It's Proverbs 18, verse 1. And here's what it says. It says, one who isolates himself, one who lives a life of isolation, pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound judgment. And this verse, let me tell you this morning, again, was the perfect description of my life at that time. I, again, you have to understand that this, this was something that had happened to me some time back, but th this verse was the perfect description. Because again, when I look back at my life during that time of being a loner, living in isolation, I had lost everything. I had lost the joy. I had lost the fun. I had lost the strength and all the other things that had been a, lot, a part of my life before I had withdrawn and tried to deal with everything that I was going through on my own. When I moved away from the relationships that had long been a part of my life, that's when I started to think things that I normally wouldn't think. My actions begin showing things that they normally wouldn't show. And I was most happy when I was by myself and not interacting with others, which, which really was a lie. I had allowed the pressure of life to reach a point where I thought that being isolated was the best thing for me. But it really wasn't. 
I, I, I want to give you a, it's not a definition. I don't even know why I've kind of phrased it the way I'm going to put it up on the screen. But I, but I want to give you a, a, a kind of a, a definition, uh, a description of somebody who allows themselves to be isolated. Look at, look at the screen behind me. This just kind of describes somebody who's isolated. When you isolate yourself, you're more prone to depression, anxiety, loneliness, low self-esteem, substance abuse, sexual addiction problems, and the list goes on and on. When you remove yourself from relationships and you isolate yourself from the people who are most important to you, whether that is family or friends or co-workers, you are more prone to depression and anxiety and loneliness and self-esteem issues as well as substance abuse. That's alcohol, drugs, illegal drugs, prescription drugs, sexual addiction problems. And again, the list goes on and on. So you look at the list behind me, and that's not even the list. That's just a portion of the list. That will tell you that living in isolation can't be good for anybody. And I have to be totally honest with you this morning, which I always am. Because when I was living that part of my life in isolation, let me tell you, it was much easier to give into temptation. It was much easier to be discouraged. It was much easier for me to believe things that weren't even close to being true. Because here's the thing, listen, listen, listen. When you follow the path of isolation, when you follow the path of a loner, you're disconnected from life. But look, look at the screen behind me. Here's the thing I want you to understand. Life is meant to be experienced. In the context of relationship. And Solomon uses this verse to help us avoid exactly what I fell into because isolation, listen to me this morning, isolation is not the way of wisdom. Living a life of isolation is exactly the opposite of the way God intended for us to live. Because remember what it said in the book of Genesis. It is not good for man to be alone. But here's where my story takes a turn. And it's actually a turn for the better. Because most of you know that I'm a very relational person. I love people. I love being around people. I love investing in people. I love watching people. Can I get an amen? I, I just love watching people. I love relationships. That's just me. But as I was going through this very difficult time, there were two people who had, I had a very, deep relation, a very deep relationship with, and they noticed it. They noticed exactly what was happening. And let me tell you, if I could drag them up on the stage with me right now, they would admit, you know what, they really didn't want to come to me and say anything about what they saw happening in my life. Because like many of us, they were just hoping that, that, that I would snap out of it, that I would just come out of the funk. But I didn't. So they did what they had to do. They came and they confronted me. And they told me what they saw in my life. And when they did it, they did it in love. Even though it probably wasn't the most comfortable thing for them to do. Even though deep down they probably didn't want to do it. And it wasn't comfortable for them. But they still came, and they spoke truth as it relates to the things that they saw happening in my life. Look, look at Proverbs 12, verse 26. Here's what it says. 
the godly give good advice to their friends. I mean, that's just gold, isn't it? The wicked lead them astray. The godly are the people who give good advice to their friends. And even though they would have been, it would have been a lot easier for them, and even though they really didn't probably want to come and confront me about what they saw going in my life, they knew that was the right thing to do. But I want you to listen to what happens to most of us when it comes to the relationships that are part of our lives. Because we live in relationships that are superficial. And the reason why so many of the relationships that we have with other people are superficial, it's simply because we're not willing to speak the truth. I want to put this on the screen behind me because you need to see this little comment here. It's the difference maker. Truth or speaking truth is what makes the difference in relationships. Amen? It's just the ability to to speak the truth into a relationship. Now, let me ask you this morning, does that mean it's going to be easy? Is it going to be easy to speak the truth? It wasn't easy for those two friends of mine to come to me and to speak the truth. No, it's not going to be easy. It's never easy. But speaking the truth to other people is what we have to do if we're going to have good, quality, healthy relationships with other people. I mean, somebody had to come to me and say, you look like you're dressed for an FFA meeting. (laughs) They're just speaking the truth. Because the Scripture, listen this morning, the Scripture does not give you a get-out-of-jail-free card when it comes to speaking the truth. Instead, what most of us do is we go into what I call truth avoidance mode. My friends came to speak truth to me about what they saw going on in my life. And they spoke it whether I liked it or not. Because my relationship with them was more important than them standing on the sideline and watching my life go down the toilet. Because they knew. They knew that they had a biblical responsibility. Not to mention the fact that I had given them permission. That if they ever saw anything in my life that was questionable... To call me out on it. Can I just say something real quick? If, if you don't have that kind of relationship with people in your life where you've given people the permission to call you out, you need to question your relationships that you have with people. We all need people in our lives that we have given permission to call us out when they see something wrong Or they have questions about maybe something that we're doing. Because when it comes to speaking the truth, we have to understand how important it is. We also have to understand that speaking the truth is really a two-way street. I mean, I can remember a couple times back in my life when Somebody would have come and spoke the truth to me. I would, be, I would have been very inclined to fire back at them and not listen to them when somebody was speaking the truth, even though that person might have been right. So we know that Proverbs has something to say about speaking truth. I mean, those of us who participated in the 31-day challenge, we know that Proverbs has something to to say when it comes to speaking truth. But here's the question. Does it also have something to say about receiving the truth? Well, let me me show you three verses, and and they all happen to be found in the book of Proverbs, and we're going to put them on the screen behind me. Proverbs 10, verse 17, here's what it says. People who accept correction are on the pathway to life. There it is. That's what we've been talking about. 
There's a pathway of life. There's a pathway of foolishness. People who accept correction, when somebody comes and confronts you with truth and you accept it, you're on the right path. You're on the pathway to life. But those who ignore it will lead others astray. Proverbs 12, verse 15, fools think they need no advice, but the wise listen to others. Proverbs 15, verse 31, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. That's wisdom. And luckily for my two friends, when they came and they confronted me, You know what I told them? You're exactly right. Because I had recognized where I was. And I had recognized what was going on in my life. But here's the thing you don't want to miss. It was probably the bravery of those two friends speaking truth to me. Listen, 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 listen. It was their speaking truth into my life that moved me out of the place of isolation that I had allowed myself to get into. The simple act of speaking truth into my life ended up being the catalyst that moved me to a better place. So here's the thing you have to know. None of us can truly enjoy the life that we want to have. None of us can live the life we truly want to live without two things. And that's speaking and receiving truth. If you want to live life to the fullest, that has to be a part of your life. And whenever you're speaking or receiving truth, listen to what I'm about to say. It always comes with a possibility, and it always comes with the possibility of conflict. But here's the thing we have to recognize. The relationships that we truly desire those relationships are always going to be found on the other side of conflict. So the question that I would ask you today is do you have that environment in your life? Do you have an environment in your life where people are really speaking truth into your life? Are your relationships superficial? Or do they encourage honesty about the things that are happening in your life? Because here's the thing. If nobody is speaking truth into your life, then you're either perfect or you have no friends or you're prideful. True, honest, biblical relationships are about speaking and receiving truth. But they're also about extending and expecting grace. See, I think all of us in this room, those watching online, I think we can all look back at a time in life, probably this past week, where we wanted to lash out at somebody who did somebody something to us. I mean, all of us have had that time in our life where we wanted to lash out at someone who did something to us. And, and chances are it was somebody who we were in a very close relationship with. And when it comes down to this aspect of relationships, Proverbs is very vocal about this as well. Look at Proverbs 19, verse 11. Here's what it says. It says, people with good sense restrain their anger. They earn esteem by overlooking wrongs. See, so many times when, when you feel like I do, when we feel wronged in a relationship, 
You want to get back at the person who wronged you. When somebody has wronged you online, we want to get back at the person who has wronged us. And we do that by lashing out. We do that by plotting revenge so that we can get even with them. But Proverbs says, people with good sense restrain their anger. And Proverbs says, we're not practicing wisdom if that's the way we choose to react when somebody has wronged us. Because wisdom chooses to resist the temptation, the tempting urge to get back at people when they offend us. I know too many people right now who look for the opportunity to be offended. Can I get an amen? I mean, people right now look for the opportunity to be offended by somebody. It, it seems that their life goal is to live off the drama of being ignored by someone or being offended by something somebody said about them. And the moment that they find out that, that, that something in the relationship is not to their liking, you know what they're ready to do? They're ready to bail. They're, they're, not, they're no longer my friend. They're ready to bail on the relationship when something doesn't go the way that they wanted it to go. But that's not a biblical relationship. In a biblical relationship, you don't go tit for tat on Facebook. You don't go tit for tat on Instagram. In a biblical relationship, you know what you do? You sit down when there's a difference. You sit down and you work it out. But instead, what we do is we try to find somebody who takes our side. And we have a pity party. And when we do this, we lack wisdom. Proverbs 17, 7 says, a friend is always loyal. And a brother is born to help in a time of need. And see, I'll tell you this morning, if there's anything that our culture suffers from right now, it's what I call friendship convenience. We're so good at making friends and then dropping friends when it's no longer convenient. It's easy to drop a friend when things aren't going to our liking. But the biblical definition is different. In the biblical definition, you don't give up on people just because they're going through something that's difficult. Biblical friendship means that there's a certain, listen to what I'm saying, biblical friendship means that there's a certain loyalty that people show other people. Because it's based on the loyalty and faithfulness that God has shown them. The two most important ingredients of any relationship are truth and grace. But not only do we need to extend grace, we need to expect grace. The book of James says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you might be healed. See, none of us are part of this Jesus family because we have it all together. None of you are part of the family of Jesus because you're attractive or rich or smart or successful. I mean, to some of you, those things might be important, but the thing that you need to understand, we're a part of the family of Jesus because we're all sinners. Forgiven sinners. Recovering sinners. But sinners. We're connected to each other by realizing that that's the thing we have in common. The thing we have in common is that we are all sinners. And in each of our lives, 
We need people that we can expect grace from. We need people that we can confess to. We just need an environment where we can come and and we can sit with other people and we can say, you know what, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with temptation. I'm struggling with pride. I'm struggling with being selfish. And in that same environment, we can expect people to speak truth and extend grace. And again, all of us need that. All of us need people in our lives where we can confess. And they can give us wisdom when our lives are at some type of crossroads. You know, I was able to talk to somebody at the beginning of the last service, and I hate to keep, you know, looking back, but looking back allows me to look forward. And we were talking about how the last 20 months have just kind of upended life in so many ways. And and it was during that conversation that I was kind of able to, to glean some information that I hadn't really thought about. But I want you to know that that we're working on helping all of you to be involved in a type of environment where you can experience truth and grace. And again, one of the things that we call that here at Crossroads is community groups. Because community groups to us are the place where life change really happens. It's not here. But it's in the context of community doing life with other people. And the sad thing is this, and I'm just, I'm very honest with you and very honest with those who are watching online that, you know, we were doing a probably marginal, out of one to 10, we were doing a four in getting people connected with other people in a community group before COVID. And then COVID came and we suspended groups and we haven't had that kind of environment where people were actually meeting on a regular basis in homes around the Word of God, around food, around friendship, and speaking truth and extending grace. Because we felt that was the best thing to do, not just to kind of suspend that, just, you know, not put people in a place where they were possibly going to catch something or spread something. You you guys know all of that. And let me tell you, that's the environment that's been missing in our church. And at the same time, it's the very environment that most of you who are looking at me right now, it's the environment that you need more than anything else. You need to be connecting with other people. And some of you would say, well, Randy, when you talk about a group, what, what, is, what is a group? Well, let me tell you what a group is to Crossroads. Because again, our definition of a group, it lines up with the mission and the strategy of our church. A group is five to six couples or six to eight individuals who are in the same stage and season of life. Now, that's important to understand because I can give lots of clarity to that. I won't do it right now, but you can go to CrossroadsLebanon.com and you can see a, a, a very, very deep description of what we do. We don't mix married people and single people because that can be a, a mess. But again, it's, it's couples, it's singles in the same stage and season of life. And they're people who meet together on a regular basis, like every other week. And they meet in somebody's home and they do life together. And they speak truth and they receive truth. And they extend grace. And at the very same time, they expect grace. Because it's the most amazing environment for life change to occur. And let, let me just be honest with you, and, and I'm not going to tell who this is because, I mean, I could just, I could just spout it off like that. But I was talking with an, a, a guy who is, leads a group in another church, one of the, one of the they're, they're, they're one of the well-attended well churches. And he said, you know, he leads a group and he said, you know, all the people in my group have kind of just dropped out. Let me tell you, we've gotten lazy in every aspect of life, people. But if 70,000 people can go watch a hockey game in the rain, you can come to church. 
and you can be a part of a group. Let me tell you, it doesn't take much of a commitment. Every other week for maybe like nine months out of the year. And let me tell you what I've experienced in my group. I mean, we took a break too. But I've, I, I, I have experienced some of the most unconditional love and support of people who know the, the stuff that I go through. I almost said crap. I didn't mean to. Sorry about that. But, but that I go through because I go through it just like you do. I have difficulties like you do. Oh, there we go, Joe. So we did it at the same time. I can see you now. I mean, we, we just have those problems in life. But let me, let me tell you what else I've experienced in my group. Some of the most amazing food because we eat every time. So here's what I want you to do today. I don't care what your stage and season of life is, whether you are married or single or single again. Right outside that door, there's a table. There's a list for single people and a list for married people. And if you're interested in getting involved in a group, I want you to leave your name, your email address, and a phone number. And somebody's going to reach out to you. And we're going to do this for a couple of weeks before we really start putting the groups together. Again, I know your hesitancy. I understand it. I get it. But we can't get groups started unless we have your information. So stop by the table and leave your information. And we'll try to get you connected in a group as soon as we can. Because relationships are a two-way street. They're about speaking truth and receiving truth. They're about extending and expecting grace. You want those people around you when the doctor calls and gives you the bad news. You want those people around you when you get the promotion. Those are the people you want to do life with. It's not this environment. This is important. But that's the important that truly means the world once you're involved in it. I mean, I've got several group leaders in here right now, and they'll testify. They know the difference. Let's pray. God, we're so lucky to have this environment, just like Julio said at the very beginning uh, of the message, to have a place where we can come in peace and worship and not worry about our lives being threatened for gathering to worship you, God. And although this environment is so important, there's an environment that's more important. And that's when we get together and we circle around each other and we do life together and we speak truth and we receive truth and we extend grace and we expect grace. So God, I know this morning right now amongst your people in this auditorium that there is a hesitancy to, to, to sign up and to get involved. It's so much easier just to come and to sit in the dark. Maybe that's the reason why the lights came on. It's so much easy to, easier to sit in the dark and not have anybody want to know about me and my spiritual journey and my life. But the truth is, God, you want us to do life together. It's not good for man to be alone. And it's so easy to find ourselves in a place of isolation. And that's not the path of life. That's the path that leads to death. So God, this morning, let us come to you. Let us run to you. We can't take this stuff on our own, but we can bring it to you and you will minister to us through your people, the people that you surround us with at Crossroads in a group. And you will do in our lives what only you can do. As we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name, amen.
My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a fan, so I'll run to the Father again. I don't 